Hey mama, stop what you're doing right now and join my birth classes. It is open enrollment and it's a special one because we have added some extra new bonuses just for you. And hint, hint, don't forget that insurance may reimburse you and you can also use your HSA or your FSA to pay for birth classes. So it's a no brainer. If you join this week, you're gonna get not only a huge discount by using the code BIRTHQUEEN, all in caps, cause you know you are, but you're also going to get six or seven bonuses. Bonus number one, you're gonna get 30 days free in my mama membership, which is where all the magic is happening. After 30 days, you can leave us if you want, boo hoo. Or you can stay with us for 19 a month. And some of my mamas stay with me for years, if that tells you anything. You're also gonna get bonus number two, which is my newborn academy. Bonus three, the birth coach class. Bonus four, the postpartum recovery roadmap class, along with some other bonuses. And if you join by Friday night at midnight, you're gonna get my birthing waves, which is a brand new course and it's guided meditations for labor and beyond. Brand spanky new and I'm so excited to welcome you in. Don't forget, we hang out with all of our students every Wednesday. We have a pregnancy hangout via Zoom where you get to see my face and my doulas every single Wednesday. I'll see you on the inside. Go to labornursemama.com forward slash the word calm, C-A-L-M, labornursemama.com forward slash calm. I'll see you on the inside. Guess what the OG cervical ripening agent is? Semen. So the week leading up to your induction, have lots of sex with lots of semen on the inside, orgasms, all the things. The old school, original gangster cervical ripening agent is semen. It is a prostaglandin. That's what we call cervical ripening agents. Welcome to the Birth Experience Podcast. I'm Trish Ware, a longtime labor and delivery RN turned online birth educator slash virtual doula. I've had the amazing privilege of delivering many, many babies in my 16 plus year career as a labor and delivery nurse. And as a mom of seven, I'm here to help you take the guesswork out of childbirth so you can make the choices that are right for you and your baby and write the birth story of your dreams. So hit subscribe and let's replace your anxiety and fear with complete confidence. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not replace your medical advice from your provider. Check out our full disclaimer at the bottom of the show notes. Good morning. Today we are going to talk about being induced. This is such a hot topic. I get hundreds of questions about induction every week on Instagram. And I wanted to talk about it today because I have some strong feelings both ways, whether you do it or whether you don't. And so I thought that we would talk about labor induction in a way that helps you make an informed decision. So the first thing we're going to talk about is why. Let's understand what are some good reasons for being induced. So there's two types of inductions. 
There's a medical induction, which means you have some sort of medical reason that baby is better off outside than inside. Elective reasons are done out of convenience. Maybe mama's tired of being pregnant. Maybe her provider's going out of town and she really wants that provider to do her delivery. But those are reasons that are elective, which means baby is just fine and dandy staying inside and waiting for spontaneous labor. But for some reason, we're going to be induced. So the very first thing you need to know about being induced is this. You don't have to be if you don't want to be, unless there's a legit medical reason. And so what I teach my students inside of Calm Labor Confident Birth class and inside the VBAC lab is this. You need to have an open dialogue with your provider. Now, if your provider is spilling off some kind of dumb shit like oh, well, I induce everyone at 39 weeks or I don't let my patients go past 40 weeks or something like that, that is not a good reason. Nobody should be doing something just because that's what they do for everyone. That is really general. They need to individualize your care. And if they're quoting a study or they're saying, well, studies have shown or ACOG supports, then I want you to stop them and say, okay, can you please print that study out? Can you please go get me the information where ACOG is supporting what you're saying? And then tell your provider that you want to go home and think about it. Don't respond right then. Do not respond out of emotion. So if this really blindsides you and you are wanting to go into labor spontaneously and now your provider is coming in hard about induction, you don't have to answer them. You don't have to make a decision right then unless they're wanting to send you to the hospital right then and there. That's a little different. However, if they're quoting a study, if they're saying this is why and this is what I do, then I would question it and I would ask for proof. Take it home, look it over. If you're one of my students, then get on the weekly hangout and ask me what I think, ask my doula what she thinks, and we'll give you uh, some, some thoughts as well. Here's the other thing I want to encourage you. If you're preparing yourself for the battle to go against being um, coerced or bullied into induction, nine times out of 10, if you just tell your provider that's not what you want to do, they're going to say, okay, unless there's a medical reason, then they're going to really try to um, show you why. And they're going to give you proof why it's better that baby is out and not in. So that's different than what I'm talking about, which is convenient induction, right? Out of convenience. So I want you really to know the difference between an elective and a medical induction. I want you to be prepared that if if they quote a study or if they say that ACOG or evidence supports, do your research. Now, if you're one of my students, again, you can come to us. We've got a lot of research done on that side for you, ready to go. But a lot of times, if you ask your provider to go get you the evidence to print the study or give you the proof that this is what ACOG supports, sometimes they're going to hem and haw because no one ever questions them or rarely ever questions them. So I really want you guys to be prepared to make informed decisions. An informed decision means that you're getting the risks, you're getting the benefits, you're getting the whys, you're getting alternatives. 
They're supposed to be giving you alternatives. So really use your rights, mama. Do not just do something because someone's telling you that you should. This is something I am, what's the word? I I have very strong opinions about. I teach my girls, we do nothing out of convenience or curiosity, especially for someone else. Okay, so let's say that an induction is a good plan for you. The first thing I want you to know about is your bishop score. Your bishop score is going to tell us how likely that your induction is going to be successful. Now, what is a successful induction? In my book, a successful induction is a vaginal delivery, not going back for a cesarean. So a bishop score is going to tell us how likely you are to have a successful induction equaling a vaginal delivery. There's five things that go into your bishop score. We're going to check your dilation. We're going to check your effacement. We're going to check your station. We're going to check your consistency and the location of your uterus. So the higher the score, the more likely you are to have a successful vaginal delivery. Okay, so the bishop score. If you score eight or greater, that means you are favorable. Your cervix is favorable for an induction and the chances of a vaginal delivery is pretty high. If you score six or less, then we're going to say you're unfavorable. And more than likely, if it's a medically necessary induction, then they're going to do what we call cervical ripening agents, and they try to get your cervix favorable. If you score seven, it could go either way. So if you are being induced, especially for an elective reason, and your bishop score is low, girl, do not do it. I want you to stay at home. I want you to do some nipple stimulation, have some sex, do some curb walking, and potentially even maybe the midwives brew if you're healthy and baby's healthy. Now, let's say your bishop score is favorable and you decide to go ahead with your induction. So what's the next thing that you need to know? The next thing I would say is what's the process? So let's talk a little bit about the process because you do have some choices. Now, what I recommend to my mamas who are being induced for a medical reason specifically, then I tell them to ask their provider, if possible, to do a membrane sweep in the office. And even two or three is great. So maybe the week before your induction, go in a couple of times and have them do a membrane sweep. They're only going to be able to do this if your cervix is open a little bit. If it's not, they can't do it. A membrane sweep is when your provider sweeps their gloved finger across the membranes that connect your um, amniotic sac to the wall of your uterus. And what that does is it stimulates your body to produce the hormones that gets the labor going. So they can't do that if your cervix is not open somewhat. So it usually needs to be open at least a one, sometimes maybe a fingertip, but that might be a little bit hard. Membrane sweep can be painful. Just want to tell you that most women say it's significantly uncomfortable. 
So I have some recommendations on Instagram and inside my birth classes for mamas on how to get through a cervical exam with less pain. And some of those techniques are breathing techniques, focus relaxation, wiggling your toes, and I teach them the best position to lay in painful. A membrane sweep is very quick. So if you're going to have one, it's not a horrific amount of pain, but it is uncomfortable. Yay, you're pregnant. But that also means you're going to have to deliver a baby, which starts to get more than a little bit scary the closer you get to your due date, right? So watching TV, watching movies is not exactly helpful. And sometimes talking things over with other mamas doesn't do too much good either, especially if they're sharing their horror stories. But let me tell you a secret. After giving birth to six babies myself and delivering thousands as a high-risk labor and delivery nurse, I can tell you that those depictions in movies are not what you need to be thinking about right now. Is labor a gentle stroll in the park on a breezy spring day? Nah, not exactly. But if you prepare, if you train, and you understand exactly what to expect, it's going to go a lot easier than you think. Which is why I have my free on-demand workshop all about managing pain during labor. My four insider secrets to an incredible birth experience without fear whether you're going for an epidural or not is going to benefit you. Because, spoiler alert, epidural does not mean pain-free. And that's a whole nother class. But in this class, I'm going to be teaching you my four top tips for creating the environment and the mindset that you need. And by the time it's over, you're going to feel empowered and prepared to take the next steps in your delivery story. I'm going to show you essential tools. I'm going to tell you what's important, what you need to focus on, and I'm going to give you all my mindset hacks that will help you embrace the pain of labor. Nope, I'm not kidding. You're going to be excited about the pain of labor. You only get one shot at birthing this baby, mama. So don't rely on well-meaning friends who didn't train for labor the proper way to shape your experience or to scare you silly. Labor is intense, but it's also incredibly rewarding if you do it right. So let me teach you how to take control of your fears so you can create an epic birth plan and have the best experience possible and actually look forward to childbirth. Check out the show notes. We've got a link to our free birth workshop and you can jump into it right now. Right, so the next thing that's going to happen with your induction process potentially is if you are being induced and your cervix is not effaced, which means it's thinned out, then we're going to start with what is called a cervical ripening agent. Guess what the OG cervical ripening agent is? Semen. So the week leading up to your induction, have lots of sex with lots of semen on the inside, orgasms, all the things. The old school, original gangster, cervical ripening agent is semen. It is a prostaglandin. That's what we call cervical ripening agents. 
Another one that you can do at home leading up to your induction is eating six dates a day. If you haven't seen my new reel on my recipes for dates, girl, I would have told you two weeks ago that no way in hell am I going to eat any dates, but we've been trying out recipes for our students and posting them on reels. I've been craving the snicker dates and the goat cheese dates. Oh my goodness. Can't even look at my reels. You'll see the recipes. Okay. So we want to get your cervix ripened is what we call that. So when you go in, usually you'll go in the night before. So you may go in at like 11 PM on a Tuesday night. Your induction process is scheduled mostly on Wednesday, but we'll have you come in the night before and we insert a cervical ripening agent. There's two that we use, especially in the U.S. One is Cytotec and this is a pill. And the other is Cervidil. It looks like a flat little tampon with a string. So what we do, either we're going to do Cytotec by mouth, or we're going to insert it into your vaginal vault near the cervix. If you do Cytotec, it's going to be inserted into the vagina near the cervix. The reason I like Cervidil better is because we can take it out. So if baby isn't responding well, you're not responding well, or your uterus gets hyperstimulated and you're having too many contractions, we can pull it out. With Cytotec, once it's in, it's in. So that's that. So if you have a reaction or baby is not tolerating well, we can't stop it. We'd have to give you other medications. So that's kind of why I like Cervidil. It is a little more expensive and not all facilities have it but I love it. Another thing that we could do to get your labor started is do either a catheter, a Foley catheter or a Cook catheter, which is a mechanical way of getting your cervix and labor stimulated and getting your cervix starting to dilate. We put it in, it puts pressure on the cervix and it falls out when you're around four centimeters dilated. There's also another type of mechanical dilating thing, I guess. I don't know what you want to call it. And they are the Dilapan S rods. It's pretty new to the market. The last few years would be considered new in labor and delivery. So talk to your provider if they do them. The good thing about the Cook catheter or the Foley catheter induction and the Dilapan S and sometimes Cytotec or Cervidil, but not often, you can actually have it inserted in the office and go home and come in the next morning or come in when the catheter falls out in your four centimeters. I like that because I am all about you guys laboring at home. I think it goes smoother. You're more comfortable. You're less anxious. So if you can do it at home, ask to do it at home. Once we get your cervix nice and ready, then we're going to switch to Pitocin. Pitocin is the big gun in labor and delivery. That's the one we're going to use most often. Okay, Pitocin, how, how does it work? What do we do? So you're going to have an IV site inserted and we're going to titrate it, which means we're going to start at a lower dose. It's going to flow in through your IV site through fluids, and we start at a very low dose, and then we titrate it, which means we go up every 30 minutes. I recommend to my girls that they ask that it be started at the lowest dose and go up low and slow. The studies have shown that by going up low and slow and that you really don't need a high dose. All facilities have like a tap out dose where they can't go past that dose. 
But I really recommend that you talk to your provider about going low and slow, which means if the order is that we're going to start it at one to two milliunits, then I want them to start yours at one and go up by one instead of starting at two and going up by two. The studies really support this low and slow method. So talk to your provider about that as well. Now, here's something that happens all the time with induction that I am not a fan of. And my girls, we really talk a lot about this and it's breaking your water. Typically you go in the night before we do a cervical ripening agent, 7 a.m. We start your Pitocin if your cervix is ripe. Otherwise we'll keep with the cervical ripening agents. And then your doctor comes in before he or she goes to the office and they break your water. I am not a fan of this. So I would fight this one, mama, because once we break your water, a clock has started for you and the risk of infection goes up as time passes and it's very high at 24 hours. So a lot of providers really start coming in hard at 24 hours, wanting to be more aggressive and even do cesareans. So I recommend to my girls that they refuse the water breaking process and they, if they're going to let their provider break their water, they don't do it until they're in active labor, which is around six centimeters. So if you're not actively laboring, if you're not in active labor, do not let them break your water. This is something I'm really strongly opinionated about because I don't want that clock to be started on you. What if you are thinking something like, I'm getting induced, but I really wanted to have a minimal intervention birth? Two things here. If you're being induced for a legit medical reason, then we're going to move through this topic. If you're being induced because you just are, you're elective, then I would say reconsider because the beginning of your induction is the beginning of interventions. Can you have a minimally interrupted birth with an induction? Yes, you can, but it's going to be a little more difficult. So the very first thing I would say for those of you who are having induction that is medically necessary and you're disappointed, you're sad because you wanted to have a low intervention birth, I want you to walk through that, walk through that grief. It's legit. It's okay. I get it. I've had to do it myself. Then I want you to sit down and I want you to write out your birth narrative. What do you want your birth to look like? And let's make a plan for how to get there. This is what I teach my students anyway. So we have to prepare mentally. We have to prepare physically and you have to know your rights. Like I just told you, you can refuse your water being broken. And probably most of you think, oh, well, if I'm being induced, I have to do whatever plan my doctor says. No, this is not true. You still have rights, you have a voice, and you get to help create the induction plan. It does not have to be just because this is what they do with everyone. They need to individualize it for you. So I want you to sit down, write out your birth story, how you'd like it to look, and then let's work on the different parts of it. Now, if you originally thought, I don't want an IV site, well, that you're going to be induced, you have to have an IV site. You have to have fluids, especially if you're on if you're on Pitocin. Now, if you're on Cytotec or Cervidil, we can do your IV site and then do what we call a saline lock. So you can still 
after a certain time period, get up, walk around, get in the shower, and move around your room. If you're on Pitocin, I am here to tell you, because I've had six unmedicated births, three of whom were induced, that you can still move around your room. You can still get on the ball. If they have wireless monitoring, you can walk the halls. Your experience is not out of your control just because you're being induced. So let that go, mama. I promise you can still have a beautiful, semi-low intervention birth. We just have to have a plan. You have to know the process. You have to know what's coming and you have to know all about the interventions. Why are they using them? When is it legit? When is it not? I tell my girls, again, I've told you this already. I tell them nothing out of convenience or curiosity. There are legit reasons why we have interventions. The the vacuum, the forceps, oxygen, all of the things that we do, there are legit reasons. But if you don't know then how are you going to make an informed decision? This is why I am 100% about everyone entering the birth room with education. You have to be educated. All right, so talking about getting induced and low interventions, I want to reiterate that if you were planning an unmedicated delivery, and now you find yourself being induced, I want you to know that you can still have a beautiful unmedicated birth story. I I told you already, I've had six unmedicated births, three of whom were induced. And it's a little more difficult. However, it's possible. I highly recommend if possible, you have a doula I know you've already taken a birth course. I hope you took ours because we can prepare you for this as well. But you can have a beautiful delivery in the hospital, whether you're being induced or not. You just have to know your rights. You have to be educated and you have to have a good support system because Pitocin has a bad rap, right? Everybody says, oh my gosh, it makes labor so much harder. I've had it both ways, with and without, and I've been unmedicated. And I will tell you that the reason it is harder is because you don't go through those early stages slowly. You kind of hit labor like a wall. So you're not laboring at all, and then you are. You don't have that natural buildup. So you have to be prepared for that. You have to have your labor tool bag filled and ready to pull out the appropriate tool, the appropriate coping tool that you want to use to get through that level of pain and having a good support system is critical. So if you have a doula, fantastic. You don't have to have a doula. I never had one myself, but I did have a support person in my delivery that was prepared to only focus on me, who was as educated as I was and ready to go through each stage of labor with me and help me to cope, help me to pull out my tools, help to distract me, refocus me, doing counter pressure, doing massage, doing all the things. So mama, if you are being induced, make sure that both of you are educated, that both of you have practiced the different positions, the laboring positions, that you've practiced pushing positions, that you have tools in your tool bag that you can pull out like TENS units. And I learned all about massage guns last night and all of these things that you can use throughout your labor to help you cope. Because really, 
It's all about achieving this escape during the labor pain. If you haven't taken my free class all about coping during labor and about facing your fears, then I highly suggest that you do that because we talk about the the key points of escaping, achieving this escape and finding your zone. And that's really important when you're in labor. Hey mama, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the birth experience with labor nurse mama, where we broke down labor induction and bite size little pieces. If you find yourself being faced with the choice of being induced or not being induced, and you have any questions, make sure you send us a DM on Instagram or send us an email at info at Hit subscribe right now so you don't miss an episode. We have one coming out every Friday at 7.30 a.m. So you can listen to it on your way to work or you can listen to it while you take the kids to school. We are so appreciative of you guys. Make sure you write a review and let us know what you want to hear about in the future. Have a fantastic day.